0: Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go.
1: Number one, it starts with your your personal relationship with your cell phone. That smartphone is the key to everything because as restaurant owners, as restaurant operators, we already have millions of things on our plate, yet marketing, media, content, storytelling, those things, no one can do that better than the owner.
0: Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. If hosting this show has made one thing incredibly clear, it's that teamwork, data, and resources will be what help us thrive post-pandemic. Understanding that, Yelp and I have created a cheat sheet offering insight into consumer behavior, popular trends, and free tools and resources to help you get open and stay open. You can download that guide at joshcopal.com forward slash resources. Didn't write that down? There's a link in the show notes as well. Every restaurateur knows how important their digital footprint is. But who has time for all of that? It's hard to tweet when you're back waiting tables because your buster didn't show up. Then the pandemic hit, and like it or not, our entire livelihood is determined by an audience we chose not to grow online. I found myself in the same boat, and I was worried that it was too late. Well, the good news is, is that it's not too late, and Sean Walshef of Cali Comfort Barbecue is going to tell us exactly how he transformed his restaurant into a barbecue media company.
1: We opened in 2008 in East County, San Diego, so off the beaten path at the height of the recession. 5,700 square feet, full service restaurant, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a sports bar. Uh, We started with 18 employees. We probably did about 400,000 in sales the first year. Um, Not profitable. We continued to invest money into the business. 12 years later, um, before coronavirus, so the end of 2019, We did 3.3 million, we had 64 employees, a lot of failure along the way, um, but also a lot of success. Because we were in such a difficult location, we had to rely on the smartphone, we had to rely on apps, we had to rely on digital marketing, all kinds of marketing, leveraging relationships with local media. Uh, Basically, we were tired of getting ignored and we wanted to figure out how do we get people to care about our barbecue, how do we get people to care about our hospitality? How do we get people to care about all the cool things that we were doing for our community? And that led us to where we are now where we consider ourselves a barbecue media company. Had you considered a publicist at any point? Uh, We looked into a publicist. Um, We looked in and the pricing was just out of our our reach. Um, I started buying books on PR and how to promote yourself. Um, Some of them were good, some of them were terrible. Uh, A lot of what we learned along the way was that we really had to be our own voice, our own voice for the village. And the more that we did that online uh, with our smartphone, with Facebook, with Instagram, with Yelp, with Google, with our website, the more confidence we had in sharing not just our story, but the story of our customers, the story of somebody that was doing a charity event at a restaurant, the story of some local kid that needed help. It really it really empowered us to know that the internet has changed a lot of just how traditional business is done. And it gave us a stronger conviction in knowing that just because we were getting ignored in you know, periodicals for restaurants didn't mean that we couldn't have an impact on our community.
0: Well, and walk me through, let's call it the thesis on your digital media company. So when you decided to pivot into digital, um, this was before the pandemic. When did that start and and what was the overall idea behind it?
1: Really, it started since we couldn't pay payroll, you know, back in 2008 and 2009. You know, we couldn't pay payroll. We were struggling. You know, we had a couple lawsuits that we were fighting. I mean, we were just scrapping like hell to keep the doors open. And we couldn't discriminate what type of marketing we did. We had to beta test everything and try to figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work. And early on, what we realized was that the internet gave us analytics behind actually what we were doing. So when we paid money to Facebook, we actually got to see where those results were, as opposed to getting an ad in the local newspaper, the union tribune. We had no idea unless we attached a coupon to that. Uh, That was something that we learned early on and it only continued to learn along the way as we added new platforms, added new skills. And I think for us, what we, What we came to realize, especially once we started doing our own podcast in 2017, is we were a media company. We were a media company. We acted like a media company. We're publishing content like a media company because it wasn't just digital marketing. Digital marketing is just about you, about your brand, about your story. Because we learned all those skills along the way, we were able to start telling the story of others, telling the story of other vendors. So when we went to a taste of San Diego and there were 30 restaurants there, it wasn't just oh. Cali Comfort is going to go to the re- is going to go to this event, and we're going to have barbecue. It was there's thirty different restaurants, so if there's thirty different Instagram handles, we can go and promote all of them, saying, "Hey, all these people are going to be there. It's better for everyone to know that this event is happening." Now you're actually producing media content. Once we started that podcast, we started understanding that digital hospitality, which is the thesis, which is the name of our podcast that we put on every week. It's in essence what we do in the, in the physical space in our restaurant, but what we're doing online. So the example that I give is everyone's walked into a restaurant that has a sign that says, please seat yourself. It's the hostess sign. So it's either please wait to be seated or you flip it over and it's please seat yourself. As restaurant owners, as restaurant operators, we all know why that sign is there. That sign is there to reduce labor costs during non-peak hours. So instead of paying a hostess to be there, you put a sign there that tells the customer, please go seat yourself in the restaurant and a server is going to come and serve you. Well, we all know that you're going to get shitty service when you go and sit there. You're going to go sit there, wait for a menu. You'll possibly get a menu. The server's not going to care about the section. And that's just what happens. But we do that in order to reduce costs. Early on, we realized, my general manager, Eric Olafson and myself, that our restaurant was laid out in a way that putting that sign up really left a hollow feeling in the actual physical layout of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we said, well, what if we always have a hostess that's on, what if we invest in the money to always have a hostess at the front and never put that sign up in the front of the restaurant so that somebody's always there to welcome someone when they walk in the door. Um, They're always there to answer the telephone. They're always there to smile. They're always there to thank somebody when they leave. That really changed our entire business model because it was an investment in hospitality. That investment in hospitality gave us a competitive advantage to other local restaurants in the area that weren't doing the same thing. Um, It really allowed us to create memorable moments for our guests. And what we learned was that as we started doing things online, so many people were not responding to reviews on Yelp. They were not responding to comments on a Facebook wall. They weren't responding to a tweet sent to the restaurant. If we started answering those things in a timely manner—not 24 hours, but you know, within the day—if we had notifications on, then we wouldn't be ignoring the customer. We would be doing something that was unique because the customer would have an "oh shit" moment where they said, "Oh my god, the owner actually responded to my review." Whether it was negative, whether it was positive, or whether it was uh, just a comment on the Facebook wall asking for where, how can I do catering? Sending them a direct link to the catering page of our website that gave us a competitive advantage where somebody goes somebody actually cares digitally so ignoring somebody in person became the same as ignoring somebody online so if you flip that model and you start going well how can i have a proactive approach what if i treated every guest that interacts with our business no matter on any platform on the internet if we proactively treat them the same way we would we would in the restaurant would that change our business and that thesis has continued to prove Correct in our in our in our experience, and nothing has been more correcter in the coronavirus because it's forced everybody to realize that doing takeout and doing delivery, those are the tools that you need to really grow those those different uh, revenue.
0: You feel like you got a head start on the digital marketing because you had started so early.
1: Yes, definitely, and I think it also allows you to have a voice and to be vulnerable in a time where people are looking for answers. Um, when nobody really has answers. I mean, we're talking about leaders of the world don't have the answers, but people are turning to their communities and turning to their villages and even local media are looking to leverage, well, what is the local restaurants doing? operators that I know that are willing to go live on Facebook and share their story of of vulnerability of of fear but also of conviction of this is what we're going to do even though we don't have the answers those are the ones that are doing the best right now they're doing the best because they're connecting with their community in a way that is real raw and live
0: so let's get let's get granular what what I want to do is a, digital media is such like a ubiquitous term right yeah. it's it's large and broad and nondescript uh, what I want to do is I want to try and create a formula for for your digital footprint. Can you walk me through, kind of in order, the individual elements of your of your media footprint? How you guys got started, what the central focus of that medium is, and your success or or struggles within it.
1: Sure, I think uh, that was the seven new- questions
0: at once. You're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that, that 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 was seven. I'll, I'll do the best to break it down, and I think. Number one, it starts with your, your personal relationship with your cell phone. That smartphone is the key to everything because as restaurant owners, as restaurant operators, we already have millions of things on our plate. Yet marketing, media, content, storytelling, those things, no one can do that better than the owner. No one knows the story better than the owner. And I know from personal experience how difficult it was for me as someone that grew up in San Diego that started doing craft low and slow barbecue as our core business to get on local television and have the news anchor ask me questions about barbecue. Because I'm not the chef. Gene Goykachea, he's our pit master. He's the one that taught us the craft of doing barbecue. I had to get over my own fears and realize that no one was gonna tell the Cali barbecue story better than I was. This is why we were gonna be putting on an amateur barbecue event because we wanted to do something great for the community, something that raised money for local sports charities, something that brought all the barbecue on the West Coast together. I was gonna be able to share that story the best, so I had to get out of my own way. Along the way, that cell phone was understanding that I needed to download the apps that are the key to commerce in 2020. Obviously this happened way before, but along the way, all these different apps that were relevant started becoming popular. I had to get over my own fear, my own bias. When I first opened uh, the restaurant with my business partner from college, Corey Robinson, he had a Facebook account and I thought it was a joke. I made fun of him. I said, why do you have a Facebook account? You know, are you trying to pick up chicks? We're trying to run a business. (laughs) Once we realized we couldn't pay the bills, where like i said well maybe we should get on facebook and then facebook started a facebook business page and i said oh wow now i can take pictures on my iphone publish them on facebook business start to create events let people know what's happening in the community if we have any upcoming specials and then those little things along the way become habit they become like muscle memory so you work on taking better photos you work on taking better videos you work on publishing on Twitter. You figure out how do you come up with your brand identity on Twitter? How do you come up with your personal brand identity as the, the owner of Cali Comfort as opposed to Cali Comfort the brand? What, what's the difference between tweeting something out for the brand and tweeting something out as the owner of, of the business? Those are things along the way that helped us understand that number one, there's people on all of those platforms that love barbecue that are looking for something unique that are looking for a story and there's relationships that we were able to create because we we're not just promoting ourselves but we we're also listening we're listening to the community did they need something was there something that we could do to help a local charity was there something we could do to help a local event um, was there a place that needed somewhere to host um, firefighters who were gathering whatever it was along the way if we listened and we responded that created opportunity. And I think for, for me personally, it was a lot of being uncomfortable. You have to be uncomfortable. And there were multiple times where I was like, well, can I pay somebody to do this? Yes, I could, but then I wouldn't have learned the skill myself. And now that we've come as far as we have, I've added people to my team. I have a producer that helps me with the podcast, Stover. I have a writer that helps us with the blog. I'm investing in those things because I know how important they are to search engine optimization, to content creation, to making video, to making audio, to making written word on the internet, but also repurposing that for social. So one of the major things is people are every day creating content. You know, there's restaurant owners that are creating content for Instagram because Instagram is the popular thing. Every day posting something on Instagram or making sure that there is something that happens on Instagram, Instagram stories. But then what happens on Facebook? But what happens on Twitter? And then number one, what happens on your website? Because your website, you have to be an e-commerce company. You have to generate sales online, especially during the coronavirus and after the coronavirus, because we can't discriminate how people get our food. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that restaurant owners have right now is that we want to get back to normal. What was normal? People have changed our consume how we shop as customers has changed my wife she used to go to the store to buy diapers for our for our children i have a 3 year old son i have a 1 year old daughter she buys it on amazon prime she has a subscription now so that she doesn't forget does that mean that she's not going to go and go to the stores you know once coronavirus is over no that doesn't but we need to be make it more convenient for people to get our products and for us our focus right now is how do we make Barbecue more accessible to more people within our trade area.
0: Well, and also to inject into that thought, you know, that's also not the worst thing in the world. I, I've said it multiple times on the podcast, but my business plan in opening a 6,000 square foot fine dining restaurant is we're going to open, people are going to come, they're going to sit down, we're going to feed them, they're going to leave, and then hopefully more people will come. Yes. And that was it. Uh, you're talking a singular revenue stream. Uh, paired with incredibly high overhead, incredibly high liability, um, and and not a limited ability to reach out to the masses. Yes. Whereas now we're looking at multiple revenue streams, whether it be this bodega grocery model, we're looking at gift cards, we're looking at takeout, delivery, and dine-in, all kind of melded together. We're looking at prepackaged food, there, there, are, there are so many different opportunities now to make money. Uh, yeah. Alcohol to go is a game changer, yeah. I mean, nationally. And now that people have had it, we're never going back. And God bless it, because I think it's a fabulous revenue stream for restaurants. Um, and, and the net result of all of these efforts is hopefully a better margin. Can you talk about yes. your margins and how they've improved?
1: sure absolutely so you know before coronavirus um you know march 17th was uh st patrick's day typically a day filled on a sports bar with uh with fans drinking um, green beer that was the day we laid off 29 employees was the hardest day um, as a restaurateur my entire career um, letting 29 people personally know that it was outside of our control but we couldn't no longer employ them Um, we retained 29 employees and those were really heart of the house staff, um, a few hostesses and all of our managers. And we made the full pivot to doing delivery and takeout only. Um, so much so that probably probably within five days, we realized that we couldn't even have people come into the restaurant because we were essentially policing people not to stand next to each other. Social distancing made it very difficult, even in that early time. So we realized that if we had to move our POS actually to the front doors so that no one could come into the restaurant, start serving food out of different windows. So if somebody ordered online, they'd pick up at one window, we'd use our front patio, which was a different side of the restaurant for Uber drivers and DoorDash drivers and Grubhub uh, drivers. That Doing that and then starting to see the financial impact that reducing our menu by 90%, focusing on our core items, what do we do best? We do barbecue best. So we got rid of 95% of our fried foods, we got rid of our burgers, we got rid of our salads, we got rid of our pastas, we got rid of our breakfast on the weekends, we were open for I mean, we were built on breakfast, eventually, we pivoted and only did breakfast on Saturday and Sunday. Um, But we realized it was a struggling day part, you know, from 7am till noon, we had so much labor on and um, not really the sales that we used to have to sustain it. So we went all in on barbecue 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. and really focused in on that. We dropped our food cost by six points. Um, We dropped our labor cost by, I believe, 18 points. Um, So net-net before we were at 6% and now we're at 18% um, running essentially a digital restaurant. And we've never been more profitable in 12 years of running a restaurant. It's been eye-opening at best. and it's given us the ability to actually go out and actively look for expansion. When before, before thinking about adding another sports bar, doing $3 million in sales with a net net of six and the amount of work and time and effort and cost, it's, it's really the cost of how do we provide our five-star hospitality? How much labor does it cost to do that? And, it, and it's significant. You can't make it lean and not to our brand standards.
0: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I I would argue that the reason that you've seen the success you have is because you're asking the right questions. Uh, Traditional restaurant questions are like this. How do I get busier on a Monday? How do I get more people interested in lunch? What specials can I run to get busier on a Thursday night? And. How do I get people more interested in this section of my menu? What what the the pandemic has inspired is a is a leaning out, right? It's not about how do I drive traffic on, on Monday. It's should I be open on Monday? And yes. you know, how do I get people to eat more eggs as opposed to you know, should I even be carrying breakfast foods? Yeah, it, it, it's that it's that leaning out. It, it's that shedding of the ego that, that I really feel like creates the profitability in these new business models. It's asking what works and then shedding everything that doesn't. Does that yeah. resonate with you?
1: It resonates very much. And you know, what I've compared it to is when you're when people are developing single family residential house, I had a real estate background, so I have friends that have done it. My grandfather did it. But when you're developing property along the coast, um, typically, You'll buy an expensive property that was built a long time ago, Um, but in order to rebuild it, you're allowed to get down to about 30% of the the house. So you really got to take it down to the studs in order to build the mansion that you want to build. People do that because they know that they can build an incredible business on top of that existing structure. Because if you take it down, then it becomes more costly. Right now, we're in a place where you have to burn your restaurant down to what do you do best? Are you willing to burn down your business, down to the core core competencies, the things that you stand unique to, and then build upon that digitally? Because that digital experience and how do people experience your food, we can't discriminate anymore. We can't discriminate and say, are my barbecue so good that I'm gonna have people drive from North County, San Diego, all the way to Spring Valley to come and get our barbecue, no. What if I, if I slow smoke our ribs, it takes six hours for us to smoke our ribs, but somebody's in Escondido and they can order it on their phone and they can get it within 20 minutes because we have a satellite location that's in North County. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great deal for them. They, they appreciate that those ribs took six hours. They don't care once they taste it how great they are. Right. I don't have to make them take three hours out of their day to come down and experience our barbecue. I need to make it as easy as possible for them. And it makes it more profitable for us because we're just adding more meat onto the smoker.
0: Well, let's assume we've sold everyone, right? Everyone listening is like, cool, I'm into it. I want to (laughs) make more, right? I want to make more money. I want to, right? I want to specialize in digital marketing. I'm going to burn down my 6,000 square foot restaurant and lease out a 2,000 square foot restaurant. Um, Everybody's ready to live their best life. Um, Assuming that that's the case let's walk people prescriptively through your process, right? So it starts on Facebook, it starts on Instagram, it starts on Twitter. Do they look at their website? What what should they add or take away from their website?
1: Number number one, the most important thing, if anybody's gotten PPP money or has gotten any kind of economic relief, or, or even if they haven't, if you want to stay in business, the number one thing you have to do is address your website. Your website is the most important platform. It's the most important social element. That is where content that you create, so those digital assets that you're creating now, probably for Instagram, those need to be created for yourself first, because that's what you own. You own that content. When the algorithm changes and Instagram's already hard, hard enough to gain traction, to gain new followers, you take those photos of all the things that you have and that you're selling on, Hopefully on DoorDash, hopefully on Uber Eats, hopefully on on Grubhub, get professional photos done. Make sexy photos of the actual food, of how it's going to be presented. Work on the packaging and how it's going to how it's going to carry. Improve the, the the website descriptions of those items on your website. Figure out how to make it mobile first. It has to be mobile first. It has to be easy. People have a limited attention span. You have three seconds to figure out what do you do and how do you do it. We have a button right when you come by barbecue. That's it. Why it doesn't don't make it more difficult than it has to be. Order catering, order pickup, join our newsletter, free peach cobbler. When you join our newsletter, literally all that information on the first screen, when you go to our website, CaliBBQ.media. And we did that intentionally. I mean, we follow uh, Donald Miller. He has a book called story brand, phenomenal, brilliant marketer that talks specifically about your website and treating it as an e-commerce platform to drive revenue. You have to be known for whatever you do best back to burning it down to what do you do best and also figuring out what's what are people want in your trade area, because maybe you are a pizza shop. I've talked to restaurateurs that are in Chicago that they sell pizza, but they have virtual restaurants within their restaurant and they're selling pasta. They never thought they'd sell pasta. They also have a, a salad concept. They also have a dessert concept. This guy's running literally five virtual restaurants out of one pizza shop and he's rolling it out across eight other um, restaurants because he's gotten analytics from Grubhub, from DoorDash, from Yelp to figure out and from SEO, from search engine results of what people in his trade area are searching for. And guess what, he's filling that, that need for business, which is helping him keep his staff employed and drive up his revenues and figure out what is he going to do next. Um, so it can be a very exciting time. But I think definitely the number one thing is to focus on your website.
0: Well, and, and let's go ahead and run down a checklist for folks. Uh, and you just say yes or no. Uh, so for the website, a newsletter? Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Email, absolutely. Blogs? Yes. Twitter? Yes. Instagram? Yes. YouTube? Yes. So let's break it down this way. So the internet's easier to think about when you go, it's video, it's audio, it's written word, and it's photos. Okay. If you focus on those core things, you make content on those things based off of what you do and how you do it, then you can distribute it across all those different social platforms and you'll figure out how to do that along the way.
0: Any any missed opportunities, any mistakes that you made along the way, any time wasted, poor investments relative to, to this digital frontier that you'd be like, man, I really wish I hadn't paid to advertise on Pinterest or whatever it <laughs> is. <laughs> no, to, be,
1: to be honest with you, no. Uh, I, th- I mean, I, even the failures that we had you know, on, on the physical side of our business um, and on the digital side of our business, I think they've all allowed us to be as confident as we are right now so we don't really view them as failures or time wasted. I think the most important thing is that we're always testing. So we're Mm -hmm. always testing and we're always improving a little bit every single day on what we did before and figuring out, I can't always, for us to grow and for us to scale for this brand the way that we want to, I can't always do what I'm doing now, but it helps me understand, that responding to a review on Yelp is different than responding to a review on Google is different to responding to a review on Facebook. And how do I want that review to to come off mm-hmm. and who's responding to that review? Because if I, if it says that Sean, the restaurant owner is responding to the, to the review, then I want it to be me. But if it's my catering manager who's now taken over, I want it to say that it's Steven, our catering manager, that's responding to the review. And that's important because that's the personalization of digital hospitality. What people seem to not understand is going digital isn't necessarily about automation. It is automation, but it's personalized automation. So how do you respond in a way that's personal, but that's also communicating the thing that you care about, which is helping the customer with what their need is, right? And following up and creating that memorable moment so that somebody goes, I can't believe that they did that. We've all had it, we've all had experiences and especially now with all these companies that have come out where you have this just incredible experience and you go, well, why can't? My wife and I, we just bought a Peloton bike. It took me five minutes to buy a Peloton bike. Like that's unbelievable. And the way that they made it, they set it up. It was so easy. The website was easy to, to sign up there. Are, I've already gotten tracked of when the bike is coming. That's the world that we live in. So how do we do that as restaurateurs? We have to figure out how to do that because that's our competitive advantage. Our competitive advantage is that we're unique. People want what we make because it's craft. That's how we've built our businesses. It's craft. It's unique. But how do we get out of our own way and realize that maybe they're just not going to come into our restaurant right now. There's time for that in the future, but right now is the greatest time for us to build the digital infrastructure that's going to give us that competitive advantage moving forward.
0: Well, yeah, and and to distill out what you just said, what it's about today is building the audience. And once you've built that audience, you can market to them, you can sell to them. But right now, it's about building awareness and building trust. And if you do that with the end in mind, those people will convert to customers at some point because you've built that trust and you've built that brand loyalty.
1: Yeah and I think you know one of the things I do want to touch on is it it's easy it's easy to think that everything I talk about is you have to be on social and social is it, it's one part of the pie but understanding that you can't discriminate against any of the platforms and I know how much I care about Yelp and how much I care about Google we're getting more traction on the content that now I'm publishing on Yelp Connect as well as Google Business for the video views that we post, as well as the photo views, as well as how much local engagement there is. And it's incredible, but I wouldn't know that unless I was in there every single week testing it and getting those analytics back from both Yelp and Google to understand, wow, maybe I should pay more attention to this than maybe I'm paying attention to Instagram. And that's the honest truth, because what happens today is gonna be different than what happens in six months from now.
0: If the conclusion of every episode I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the industry. Any advice, any words of encouragement?
1: Advice is definitely understand that you're a digital restaurant. You have to understand that the smartphone has changed the game and we have to get out of our own way and understand how do we get what we love to do in a way that's packaged, that's sexy, that's easy to buy online. How do you do that? That's something that we are going to continue to work on with our, with our brand, with digital hospitality. That's something that we aspire to do. That's something that when we see another restaurateur doing it, we love to figure out how did they do it and how, how can we make it better. That's the world that we're living in. And the more that we focused on that, the more that we're going to see that's where all the opportunity is because we have a unique gift. I mean, what restaurant owners have gone through to build their business, to get to where they are, it's unlike any other industry. And the hospitality part, that's our competitive advantage. Customer service is bullshit. I mean, people in retail, they talk about how do we make, improve our customers. Customer service is treating someone like a human. And as a restaurant owner, we know that. We care about how people feel. We care about the, the way that they're when they walk in with their kids, we care that, they make, that we make sure that there's a place for their stroller, that we care that the door is open, we care that there's a thank you, that there's a smile, that there's that special personal feeling so it, it be, you become a generational restaurant. That's our competitive advantage and that's what we need to figure out. How do we, how do we sell what we do and do that on a mobile device? That's Sean
0: Walsh of Cali Comfort Barbecue. To check out their digital empire, go to calibarbecue.media. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to JoshKopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.